0: And so today is the narrative of transformation and, and I, I thought I would jump off that, uh, off that clip and thanks Josh, it's all good. We can have spirit fingers later. But I, I thought I would jump off that and today really just go into the narrative of transformation. Is that the scripture we're using in that is uh, is 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 and it says, And so we are transfigured like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. At the end of the day, our life is just to become like Him. Our narrative of transformation is a journey to become like Christ Himself. And this morning I want to have a quick look at this and really just go through it, and I really want to just have a look at Joshua in this moment. Is that I believe that in this time, the narrative of transformation starts with an individual, but in turn can transform a nation. It starts with an individual, but can transform a nation. Is that I believe this, that if the devil can get us sidetracked from our focus on God, then he stops the transformation taking place within our life. The world will draw us our attention away from him and highlight what is going on in order to stop us from becoming all that Christ has called us to be. And I I look at this and I believe as as a family man is that it becomes first, and if we are to see transformation take place in our family life, it first must take place in us, and must take place in the non-negotiables, the milestones, the things that we put with inside our own life. And so today I want to have a look just at the life of Joseph, or not, not really the life, of, sorry, the life of Joshua, but not the life of Joshua, a statement that he makes. And I used this statement last week when we were dedicating Josh and Bonnie's young one is that Joshua makes this statement and he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you look at Joshua 24, verse 14, it says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you, to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we shall forsake the Lord to serve other gods." For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love this because really it's a statement that he's making. It's a statement that is backed with non-negotiables. I believe in our life is that when we come into a relationship with God, we actually have to put non-negotiables in place. We actually have to come to a place where it's like, you know what, no, God has called me, God has destined me, God has chosen me. I've chosen God, and okay, right now I need to put non-negotiables in place. If I'm going to be all that God has called me to be, if my family is going to go where He has called us to go, and for Joshua, his family, his nation was called to go into the promised land, he had to come up with non-negotiables in his life. Yeah. I look at the life of Pete and Nade- Nave- Davina. <laughs> I need a drink of water. Excuse it. But I look at their life, and in their life, they've had non-negotiables put in place. To last 28 years of marriage, there has to be non-negotiables. There has to be a lot of non-negotiables. <laughs> Men, listen right there. Non-negotiables in place. Yeah. And, and so Joshua had come to this place where he had to stand up in front of the people. For some of us, we have to stand up in front of family members and say, listen, this is who we are as a family. This is what we've chosen to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so Joshua is here. He, he makes this statement. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. An immovable conviction. It's a revelation. Revelation shaped the way you live your life and the decisions that you make. But you look at that statement, the first part of this statement, he says, for me. As for me. He he makes that statement. That statement is a personal statement. It's a resolve, it's a conviction that he's made in his own life. Is that each and every one of us have to have a personal conviction of who God is. This only comes through revelation. It keeps you anchored in times of trial. Those revelations. It's a conviction. I I went into the kindergarten the other day and and I think I shared this a few weeks ago is that they asked us to write something about our kids in a book. They had a photo and I think they're going to give the photo to all the parents at the end of, you know, kindy, when they come out at the end of the year. You know how you get that report with all these photos? And, and they said, could you write down something that describes your kid? And this was Jesse, and, and, and I wrote down strong-wilt. <laughs> and she looks at me like, he's, he's cuddly, he's loving, he's beautiful. Like, yeah, to you he is. <laughs> like I, Like, get this, if he doesn't sleep, he's two years old, if he doesn't sleep, he has the teachers rubbing his feet. (laughs) So Carolina picks him up and they're like, yeah, he wouldn't go to sleep, so he just wanted us to rub his feet. So for two hours he's got teachers rubbing... Like that kid has power. (laughs) He has power and I am like, what are you thinking? Like, the kid isn't motivated by rewards, he's motivated by a wooden spoon when it comes to me. Like, like I, I don't smack him, I just bring it out and put it on the bench and all of a sudden he's eating all his tea, miraculously, we're like, hey listen, we'll give you dessert. Nah, 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 wooden spoon comes out, whoa, that's fin- you've beaten all the other kids, wow. Now, he's just strong-willed. But there's some things that I find is that he's immovable. Is that for some of us we need to take hold of the things of God and be exactly the same in those things. Yeah. Is it being immovable on the things that God has put in our life? On the convictions that he has? I love it because I'm going to see him grow up and he will be a leader But my job as a parent is to make sure that he's led in the right ways so that he can actually do some good for society. (laughs) Because God help us if I can't train that boy. (laughs) But convictions that are put in place. Is that Joshua had been, you know, present in the times that Israel had turned their back on God. You know, he'd seen God's promises come through. He'd seen all these things. He'd been at a time where he was there when the 12 spies were sent into the land, into the promised land to spy it out for Moses. And the 12 spies came come back. And two of the spies and it was Joshua and Caleb, they said, "Yeah, we can take it. We can do this." You know what? Our God has come through for us. And the other 10 are like, "No, they're like giants." We can't go. They, they, they were in fear. They cowered back. Two people, well, these spies saw it in different light. One saw it in light of their circumstance. The other saw it in light of their God, right. that nothing is impossible. Wow. They had a conviction. They had a knowing. But of course, ten against two. All of Israel are like, you know, giant, Really? no, sorry, let's give it a miss. guys, guys, oh, give it what, you want to walk another 40, okay, that's it, 40 years in the desert, you're off. That's it, you miss out on your promise. Those two that saw me in light of their circumstance, you know, those two, yeah. you guys are the only two that enter in out of that generation. Wow. Immovable. Out of everyone that should have had faith, out of all the people, out of all the nations, don't you think Israel should have learnt by now? At that time, they should have said, you know what, not even sent spies in, they should have gone, let's go, that's it, we're out. We're out of this place, we're we're losing this desert, we're moving on. Because you look at the miracles that they've seen over and over again. They'd been through the ten plagues, the Nile turning into blood. They'd been through the the frogs, the lice, the flies. You know, livestock were killed, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, death of every firstborn child in all of Egypt. And they'd seen the blood of the lamb that had saved theirs. But yet somehow they'd lost the revelation. Somehow they'd lost this this tenacity to believe. God leads them out of Egypt. He leads them out with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He parts the Red Sea. They walk through. All of a sudden, they have bread falling from heaven. They hit a staff on a rock. And water flows. The provision of God is there. The miraculous power of God is there. But yet somehow, when it comes to entering into the promise, they can't move through. They can't go any further. I've seen many people receive healing. I've seen many people healed of great things. But it's still not believing God. Yet still not. Believed in God? Shouldn't they have had the most faith? Shouldn't they have had a revelation of who God was to them? But yet, but yet we even read the Gospels and we see that many people were amazed at the message that Christ brought, but few were transformed. How many people heard the Saviour Himself speak? How many people do you think saw the miraculous power, the hand of God, and people healed, but yet remained the same? One of my favourite verses is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. To trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Personally, I don't know what circumstance you're in right now, but can you just lean on Him? Can you just lean on Him? Can you just trust Him? For some of us, we need to just step back and, and we've tried to understand the situation ourselves. We've, we've tried to look at it through natural eyes, and through natural eyes, it is impossible. Yeah. But how about you take a step back and start to look at it through God's eyes? Yeah. Start to look at the circumstance through, in light of who your God is and not what your situation is. It's personal. As for me, Joshua, it it was personal. It was very personal because he'd been walking around in the desert because someone else didn't believe with him. I reckon in the 24th chapter when he wrote this, he was upset. He was like, Israel, you know what? You're not robbing me anymore. Wow. You know, you, this is another generation. Don't, let's not look at your parents. Let's not walk around this desert any longer. We're moving out of here. And if you want to move back in there, you go for it. But me and my family, that's it. We're out of here. We're sick of leading you. Well, that's not me, sorry. But I reckon he would have been ticked. It's like that moment that you're telling your child, don't do that, don't do that. You know, how many times do you have to say, don't do that? <laughs> My kids are perfect. The first time, they just don't do it. <laughs> That's what I've asked them to do. They don't do. But here he is. As for me, do you have a personal revelation, a personal conviction of who God is? In your life. The second thing I find in this statement, it says, as for me and my house, is it becomes generational. Is that this statement becomes generational? It includes his whole family, it includes those around him. I've been reading a book by Chuck Swindle, and it's a book about David. And, and he writes this this scenario or this this bit of history about in eighteen oh nine about Napoleon going through Austria and, and taking over Europe. And it's the start of his campaign and he, he's going through and he, he's taking through you know, all the cities and, and armies are falling and, and he's the great military leader of the day. And, and he makes this statement that everyone is so focused upon that moment. Everyone is so focused upon the destruction, upon you know, will he take the whole world by storm that they actually forget about the babies in the cribs. They forget about the babies being changed in diapers. They forget about the next generation, basically. And he was saying is that sometimes most of us at this time, you know, we, we focus on the things that we focus on fear. We focus on what is happening, world events. And right now, in world events, right now, some of us, we're focused on terrorism. Others, we're focused on recession. Others, we're focused on this, that, and whatnot. And somehow, we're, we're focused on all these things. This is all that is consuming us that we actually forget about what's in our hand and he makes this statement in 1809 that the very same year that Napoleon is sweeping through, there are babies being born and he makes a list of these babies and these babies are like William Gladstone, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Charles Robert Darwin. Sound familiar? Alfred Tennyson, Robert Charles Winthorpe and in a little log cabin born to an illiterate labourer laborer, and his wife Abraham Lincoln came into the world. Is that nobody cared about the nobodies while Napoleon was moving through Austria. The lives of statesmen, writers and thinkers were born. These are the men that have come to shape the society in which we live. Those are the men today that shape where we are today. There is not a life of a person alive today that has not been touched in some way by the lives of these men. Nobody's nobody noticed. They were men that have shaped history to this day. My thing is here. For me and my house, some of us need to come back and think about the house. Come back and look what's in your hand. Come back and look into the eyes of the young one that you're holding. As for me and my house. For some of us here, we just need to stop scaring the kids. Well, I can't, well, I don't know what the world's going to look like when you grow up. Maybe there might not be a world. For some of us, we need to step out of the fear and start to live in hope and faith. The God will come through that these issues are still the same. It hasn't changed. The world hasn't changed. God is still God. He is still on the throne. For me and my house. Mother Teresa said this, what can you do to promote world peace? Go home and love your family. Go home and love your family. As for me and my house. Hebrews eleven seven It says, by faith, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. This is God talking to Noah. Again, the same thing here is that prepare an ark for the saving of his household again God talks about household again he says to a man of God think about the next generation think about your household come on you need to do this in order to save yourself in order to save your household in order for me to come through you know God commands him to build a boat this boat is 450 feet long 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, and then fill it with two of every animal. Like, imagine having a dream or God telling you to do that. Imagine going telling your family then. For Noah, he had to have a conviction. He had to have this thing. No, God has told me to do this. God has told me to do this. God has told me to build this because it's going to save our household, because it's going to be a benefit to our household. 120 years later, finished. <laughs> like, he, like I could probably convince my kids to come on a journey and build an ark, but if it's going to take 120 years... Who knows? You're going to have young adult boys, young adult girls. They're going to get married. Like, how hard is it going to be? How much doubt do you think came into their minds? But yet, 120 years later, he's like, "Hey, finished." Genesis 6:22. It says, "And Noah did according to all that God had commanded." God, Noah was obedient to the letter of God's instruction. It was always about generations. And Joshua is here and he's like, no, no, for me and my house, what are the resolutions, what are those things that you've put in for your household as well? What are those convictions that your household lives by as well? Let, Let me put it this way, some practical steps. So. Carolina and I I got married, which is a miracle in itself. (laughs) Then we had kids, which was another miracle. But as soon as we got married, we had to decide, okay, this is what I said, what is our household going to look like? What are we going to have non-negotiables on? What are those things in place that are we going to put in that are things that we just don't move on? What are those family traditions that we're going to take from her parents and take from my parents? You know, because when you get married, it's like this. It's like, you know what? I'm not taking any of that stuff. But then you realize, no, actually, I, I probably need some of those rocks. I need some of those convictions. And, and so for us, it was like, okay, what family traditions do we do? Well, okay, we do Christmas. One of our family cr- tradi- uh, traditions we took from her family was that we would walk the streets of Christmas Eve looking for Santa flying across on different houses with the kids. And judges would walk behind with a little bell and be like, I heard a reindeer. And we would look, that, that would be a, a family... And some people are like, well, you shouldn't believe in Santa. Well, it's all good. Santa will get over it. But that's a tradition because it's building memories. Uh, Another thing is we we go to church Christmas Day. It's just a non-negotiable. Why? Because Christmas is about Jesus, our Saviour, being born. So as a family, we move on and and that's a non-negotiable. So we have Christmas Eve. Then then it comes to Easter. Easter is another non-negotiable where we will sit round. We'll all have a meal together. We'll break bread. We'll have communion. And as we go to different families and whatnot, again, we break the bread, we have communion. Um, There's one I'm trying to get out of, which is a Polish thing, where they eat beetroot soup. I I don't know what it's meant to represent, but it's a, a tradition that I have to have because it's a tradition of the house that I'm in at the moment when I go to their house but there's different traditions that you have and then all of a sudden you take your family traditions and then you work out what new, new traditions do you want to make within your family? What are those traditions that you're gonna create within your family? What are those new ones that you're gonna create? So, so for us, some of the traditions that we've created and I wouldn't really call them traditions, I think it's more of a way of life, is that we're found in the house on a Sunday. Is It's just something that we do. As if we don't go to church, the kids are like, what? what's going on? As, what's happened? You know, they, they question, oh, don't you believe in God anymore? <laughs> no, we just can't make it because we're on a plane or something, you know. But there's a tradition. One of the non-negotiables is that we just pray with our kids every night. Is that they know that they're going to get prayed for every night. And if we don't, we hear about it. It's reading books. It's, we have those certain traditions that we put in place. And so for us, we try to put in godly tradition. We try to put in things that you know, are going to instill the Word of God in their life. They're going to instill non-negotiables in their life. So that as they grow up, they know the Word in their life. Another thing that we try to do is that we try to share stories. And I think it's a sad day when most of us as family, we don't know the history of our families. We don't really know the histories of our families. We know the history of everyone in America, but we don't know the history of our own family. And so talking to our kids about the history, okay, where did we come from? How did our families get here? So for us, it's sharing the stories. And Carolina will share the the stories of her parents, how they came in through the immigration and came through and, and got set up in the whole thing. I will tell, you know, my stories of my family because my grandma came from Poland and she used to always tell us the story of her peeing on her feet because she had no shoes in the wartime, in the snow. Everyone's like, what? They're my family stories. So Judah's outside, but no, he's not. <laughs> but it's just telling those stories. What it is, it's building identity. Yeah. It's me going back and saying, well, you know what? Yeah, my grandma went through the wartime, but then also my, my grandpa ended up in a concentration camp. And, so just, and to them, it's like worlds apart, because I sit in the bed sometimes at night, and Layla's there, and she's like, Dad, tell me a story of the olden days when you were a kid. <laughs> Okay, which one do you want to know? Well, you know, the one where you had no cars and, and no... Te- I'm like, I'm not that old. <laughs> like, But just the stories. And again, come and tell the stories of the stones that are put in your life, like this morning, the testimony. Again, it's a story. As you look in their eyes, as you look at the young ones, you, you tell the story, hey, listen, this is... How you were healed. Is that this is what we were told, but this is what came through. This is how God came through for us. Tell them the stories. Tell them the stories. And as you do the traditions, as you sell, tell the stories, set priorities, set non negotiables in your family set non negotiable I believe Joshua would have set strict non-negotiables for his family for us it's, you hear kids and they come home from school, they come home or even if you go in the workplace or wherever it is, is you, know, you hear some words come out and as we're sitting around the table it's like, listen, hang on hang on we don't speak that way yeah. pull them up have priorities on your language there are a lot of little things that that sometimes people think we're extreme but I think if we pull them up now and we just say hey listen you know what a, a gunster doesn't do that well such-and-such such lives this way and this is what they do that no no yep that's great but that's not how we live in this house well, yeah, this is what we do because we, we honour God. Set priorities. Set boundaries within your life. For us, we set the boundary of His Word, His principles, His standard. That's a priority in our life. That's a priority in our family. We, we make sure that... And our, our, our young ones will always say, hey, Dad, can, can we read the Bible before we go to bed? And, and they love getting mum because mum will... She sticks to a routine. But then all of a sudden, Judah loves getting me because he knows that he can hear David and Goliath six nights a week. <laughs> but again, it's just putting foundations. They're getting a love for the Word of God. They're getting a love for the things of God. They're getting a love for His house. Another one that we prioritize is prayer. Prayer. The Holy Spirit. Again, spending time with our kids in prayer with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. Because to have true transformation, you have all those things, but you actually have to have the Holy Spirit involved. You actually have to have God involved and we prioritise the presence of God. As for me and my house, As for me and my house, it becomes generational. And then the last bit is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We will. I I love that, we will. We will. When we come into the house on a Sunday, for us is that our our, our house will serve the Lord is that Myra and Layla, they, they don't come to just do kids' church. They come to serve the Lord. When they go to school, they, they just don't go to school because they're going to school to get an education. They go to school, and this is what we train, we, they go to school so they, they can be someone else's answer. Yes. Is that Yes, they will get an education, but more than just getting an education, they go to school to have eyes to see the one. They go to school to see to have eyes that will see the one that is in need. And we have opportunities at the dinner table. We sit down and we say, hey, listen, how was school today? And one will come up and say, you know, school was amazing. There was this girl, she's sitting by herself, you know, she's got no friends. This is this is what I did. This is how I engaged her. Great. You know what, you've just been someone's answer. One of our young boys comes home from school as well. You can guess who that is, the only one that can talk. But again, we were sitting there and he started talking about this young kid that's in his preschool. And in the end, we found out that he has some special needs. And Judah didn't really know he had special needs, just the fact that he just couldn't talk back to him. And he was just saying, you know what, it's great. And basically Judah's like, you know what, I'm just gonna play with him, that, that's, my, that's my thing. So whenever this kid comes in, he doesn't come in all the time. Judah just looks for him and goes straight over. And that's his moment. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord not just in church, but every area that we can, every moment. We'll have eyes to see, we'll have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And Joshua makes that statement. He makes that statement. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He had expectancy. is that we need to have expectancy within our life. We need to have that around us. And as you read through the story, it goes on. Can we get that Joshua 24 back up, please? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. What I find is that when you take a stand with your family, those around you take a stand as well. When you take a stand with your immediate family right now, your extended family. When you take a stand with your family in some sort of community, the immediate community, I believe this the world is just waiting for people with conviction for people with non-negotiables just to take a stand and make that statement as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and as you do watch the response watch the response and for us as we've taken that stand we've seen family members saved we've seen friends saved We've seen the narrative of transformation take place in individual lives around us. Through the Holy Spirit being present, through God moving, but just having a conviction for me in my house. Father God, I thank you that you've called us to a place where we choose who we serve. As you call each and every one of us to a place of choosing. And today, Father God, I pray that the households in this place will choose you today. Will choose to serve you all the days of their life. Lord God, that we'll have a conviction that you are the only way. That you are the King of Kings. And today, Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see on how we can serve. Ears to hear so when you speak, we can go. Today, Spirit of God, come and rest in our lives. Move through us and in us. So that we can see transformation come in those around us. In Jesus' mighty name. Just as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to Give an invitation to know Jesus Christ this morning. To know God. To come into a relationship with the Creator. And I don't know where you're all at. I don't know whether you have a relationship with God. But it actually just comes to a choice. It comes out of a choice of just saying, hey, I want to know God. Just believing and saying, God, I I believe in you. Now I want a relationship with you. And this morning, if you want that choice, if you want to say, hey, God, this morning, I want to know you. This morning, I want to walk with you. I would love to pray with you. And just so I know who I'm praying with, I would love for you just to slip your hand up just quickly. Just as I look across, thank you up the back. Thank you, mate. anyone else quickly just want to join just as I pray? Father God, we thank you. You see the hearts in this place. But Lord God, today as individuals in this place choose to have a relationship with you, to believe upon you. Father God, I, I pray that you come and move in their life. Lord God, it's the start of a journey. It's the start of transformation. And Lord God, as they move on this journey, Father, I pray a blessing and a favor over their life. Lord God, a peace and an understanding. And Father God, today, seal it with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give him a hand.